He will share God's word with us. Uh, he is a psychologist, uh, a doctor, treating mentally ill uh, patients in local hospital. I think it's a good Samaritan uh, for many, many years. And uh, he and his wife are actively serving God's kingdom together in local churches. Uh, praise the Lord. We welcome uh, Gary to uh, preach God's word for us. Thank you, Gary. Please. Good morning, congregation. How's everyone doing? Um, thumbs, thumbs up if the sound's okay. Is, is the sound okay with you guys? Okay. Very good. Um, so, and, and thank you, Jerry, for the kind words. I, I'm actually not a doctor, although I look and look like one and play one on TV. Just, just kidding. Um, I know my, my patients call me doctor and I'm like, that's, that's not the thing I I'm known for, but, um, so I've been, uh, it's been an interesting nine months. Um, my the school that I teach at, they finally gave me a a cup to commemorate, um, you know, me teaching for the last nine months. And so I'll show you guys what it looks like. Uh, on one side, it says uh, basically COVID survivor, uh, and then on the other side, or basically COVID professor, and on the other side, it says uh, I'm a survivor. And so I wish there was a way to recreate that cup for for all of you guys. You know, that could be. Hawk for survivor or God's, you know, God's remnant or, you know, something, something powerful and, and, uh, and something that, that we could all sort of align with. And so um, in any case, this is going to be one of the tougher messages. I, I know I'm, I think I'm coming back to see you guys in January, hopefully in person, uh, but we don't know what will happen in between now and then. And so I want us thinking about, you probably have not put together gratitude and wrath in the same sentence for maybe forever or maybe in a long time. Uh, these, these words are not likely to be linked together in any form or manner other than um, possibly as opposite. So, you know, uh, Uncle Jerry, I'm showing my wrath to you, but you better have gratitude, which sounds like I'm parenting him, right? So, so we might hear it from our parents, quite frankly, or our uncles and aunties or grandparents. Hey, you better show gratitude, Rebecca. Like we're giving you the uh, the red envelope money. You know, you better show gratitude. And so sometimes we we don't put these words naturally together. So um, in either case, let me pray for us. I, I know this was uh, uh, kind of difficult for me to put together, and I'm and I'm sure I I'm gonna pray that this will make sense to to you guys as well. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for this time you've given us. Thank you for the worship that uh, Rebecca has led, and for all those that are ministering at Fourth Home. I pray that you protect all of these souls uh, during this rough time. Pray that you would allow this message to seep through me openly and that uh, my weirdness and my awkwardness would not get in the way of it. In your name we pray, amen. Okay. So I I recall last time I went probably a little bit too long. So I'm, I'm asking my wife to sort of throw a red flag at me. We're both big soccer fans. So she's gonna throw a red card at me if I go too long today. Okay, so let me share my screen. Uh, let's see. Okay. Can you all see this? Okay. So I don't put this it's coming through. Okay. For everyone. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Um, again, two very disparate pictures. You have a child praying on the beach, possibly feeling at peace. And then you have a child clinging on to dear life uh, from presumably mommy there uh, and probably in a lot of pain, but also possibly rejection. So uh, can we have gratitude in a time of wrath? And so my, my hope is that these short uh, verses will encourage us to uh, have an honest dialogue again with God. I'm, I'm all about having 
um, you know, an honest dialogue with God during these tough times. Okay. And so again, uh, most important thing is I, I do a lot, but I also like to play a lot. And so, um, if you feel the need to stay in touch, uh, please feel free to email me at that email address and I'll, I'll do my best to stay in touch with you during the holidays. Uh, generally I respond back within, you know, three to four days or, you know, between two and three days. Okay. Um, and so I want to remind us that there's, there's two actions for these sermons. And, and my, my hope is that, especially with the old Testament books, these are ones that I, I tend to avoid myself, uh, because I'm scared of what really, what I'm trying to learn and apply to it. And so my hope is that together we'll, we'll learn from, uh, the prophet Habakkuk to discover what was really going on in this book. And so what was God trying to teach the recipients of this passage? And then how can we, in my quotes, reasonably apply these things in our life? And then also more importantly is we need to know how the Old Testament stuff, and that, that could be, you know, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Psalms, you know, the ones that we tend to spend the most time in. But the, these books are, are essentially like trying to find out what happened many, many years ago between God and his people. And so my hope is that uh, God through me has shed some light on, uh, on how we interact with his people based off of their behavior. And so I want to express these two things to you today, uh, sort of modeling, you know, good, good behavior as well for, for my end. Um, I'm grateful for the fellowship with you today. Uh, you know, to be fair, uh, Miss, you know, uh, Emily and I have had a hard time finding, you know, decent fellowship during this time. We have a Bible study on Thursday nights, but it's been difficult to find uh, meaningful services on the, on the weekends when we're both people persons. So we like being around uh, people and especially uh, people of God. And then uh, also importantly for God's unfailing love. And so uh, my, my biggest attitude today uh, with you guys and for you guys is ideally uh, one of gratitude and, and hopefulness. So did you guys know uh, every few years, all these psychiatrists around the US and the world will uh, redesign our diagnosing book? And so I, I'm sure maybe Rebecca and some other people might laugh about this, but there are legitimate disorders uh, identified for certain things. And so uh, that that sarcastic look from Tony Stark's character is because there's two, two, two disorders in particular for uh, overdosing on Turkey on Thursday. And so I know us being uh, mostly Asian, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about turkey, but uh, three years ago, I had the displeasure of trying to cut up a turkey from Marina store, which was uh, a very pathetic bird that was all bones and no meat, and uh, chopping it up in front of a family of 18, uh, hoping to get some meat off those bones was very difficult and, and pretty much got me angry, and so uh, Emily had to call me down afterwards because we know that we don't get our turkeys from Asian markets, but probably from like Whole Foods or from uh, from Knob Hill or other places. So, but in either case, my hope is that for all of you guys on this call today, uh, I won't have to diagnose you with these two things, which is uh, a disorder of tryptophan metabolism, which means the turkey is slowly getting metabolized by your tummy, and the uh, the the ingredient tryptophan that comes out of it puts us to sleep, and then polyphagia, excessive eating, hyper I can't even pronounce these and people have designed these for people like myself, but essentially excessive eating of everything. So, uh, so I would ask for, for all of us, myself included, that we uh, eat in moderation. And uh, one secret is to eat it slowly throughout the day. And so if mom and dad make a nice spread for us on uh, Thursday, 
that uh, we just uh, take it easy. There will be other days to eat uh, during this time. Okay. And so we start with the passage and, and all of us know the, now that we're on Zoom, we know this icon in the bottom right, uh, which is essentially silence and, and muted. Okay. So the Lord is in, in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. I would venture a guess based off of any tracking of news or I, I hear Rebecca talking about being notified by the school, whether we're on or off or we're back in school or on Zoom. Um, silence is probably one of the last things we've had the benefit of in the last nine months. And so one of the things I want us to think about in reflection is what is our defining message for 2020 as believers? And I, I don't have the answer for you, congregation. I, I simply don't know um, other than faithfulness and um, continuing to meet together like your churches. I do speak at another church in Pleasanton uh, next month, and they have been, since I last saw them in January, uh, you know, doing Zoom calls for the last nine months as well. So, so your church is not the only one. And yet my, my encouragement to you is to keep on doing it, uh, you know, safely and, and appropriately. And so in verse one of chapter three, if you see that little tagline at the bottom of in this particular Bible, trusting God in troubled times. And I think uh, we've heard from brother Jerry and brother Jimmy and all the other speakers that have come uh, in the last couple of months, uh, just that these are troubled times. And so this is a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Habakkuk was advocating on behalf of God's people to God. So this is someone that was chosen to um, advocate on their behalf to plead to God. And so, um, I, I didn't realize I'd skip past the, the, the term to the, the correct pronunciation for the word at the end of verse one is uh, Shigianoth. So I, I, even old people like myself learn something new, new every day. So Shigianoth. All right. And then in verse two, this is sort of the meat potatoes of the passage. Um, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. And so when we think of the word fame, right, for those of us sports and entertainment fans, uh, we have things called the Hall of Fame. We have the Walk of Fame in Hollywood for uh, entertainment stars and people that have, um, you know, been been celebrated in in, uh, in pop culture. And so, in some way, I think that's a fair way to look at the way Habakkuk was advocating for, you know, God's people. Is that God again? I I have heard of your fame. I remember the things you have done, right? And so, those of you who are basketball fans, when uh, when it's time for Steph Curry and Clay Thompson to go into the Hall of Fame, some person like myself will read back to you stats like averaged 35 points a game and 11 assists during the finals and had seven titles uh, to their name. And so this is a recall of things that they've done over their career. And so for, for us who are in the faith, um, I wonder if we do recall times when God has rescued us, has protected us, has provided for us. And so in some sense, I'm, I'm encouraging you to um, give God, you know, his, his credit, give God his, his props, uh, his respect by recalling the times that were his, his fame has poured so much love on us as a church, as your church, as my church, um, and as well as our particular lives. And then this kid on the right, standing in awe of, our, of, of his deeds. I wonder when the last time we have essentially been in awe of of the things that God has done in our lives. I know I forget quite often, and, and that seems to be a recurring theme, um, you know, in our faith walks. And yet what I'm acknowledging is there's a psychological term called validation. I'm validating the fact that, you know, sometimes we forget we are human, we are broken. Okay. 
And then later on in that verse, <coughs> excuse me, repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. And then in, finally in wrath, remember mercy. So strong, strong uh, words hinted at here, repeat them in our day and in our time, make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy, okay. If these are the first times you have heard these during sermons or Sunday schools, um, one thing to point out is, again, we have the benefit of looking 2000 years back as Christians. And so sometimes we might come across, you know, because, you know, everyone on this call is, is uh, super smart in some way or another, right? And so I remember many Sunday schools where I would sit back, possibly someone like Uncle Jerry and be like, yeah, we just have to be smarter than those people, you know, back then. And the problem is we have the benefit of looking backwards to this time. Um, and right now we're living through a difficult time. And so no one knows what they're doing at this point. Uh, even, even we psychologists, even our leaders. And so um, what Habakkuk was, at, was really advocating was like, again, Lord, make yourself known again to us. And because we haven't seen you for a while, God. And this is from their perception, uh, from their perspective that maybe God had been uh, gone for a while from their eyes. And yet we know that God has been been working in all of our lives, uh, in in the in the margins, in the big areas, through the churches, that sort of thing. But at this point, for God's people, they were kind of in the dark. They had spiritual cataracts, which are you know coverings for your eyes. And then in wrath, please remember mercy, God. And so the thing about forgetting, um, we have this movie uh, that comes out every. Christmas. In fact, I think it's playing on Freeform and uh, some other channels uh, during this holiday uh, called Home Alone. Okay, and if you if you haven't watched it, I I wouldn't say it's necessarily worth the time to watch it, congregation. But if you have, you remember sort of the the, the basics of the movie. And so Habakkuk is uh, Habakkuk is pleading with God to make himself known to them yet again, implying that there was a time where uh, God was with His people and they were walking together hand in hand. And so each Christmas, Home Alone reminds us that we are prone to forgetting the most important things or people in our lives. And in this case, it was this poor little boy that ended up uh, making, basically being a, being a terror on these two people trying to break into the house. Okay. And so I, I call the three books here, um, Lamentations, uh, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah, the, the uncomfortable Old Testament books, right? And so one way to think about these as uh young and older Bible scholars uh, as yourselves, is what do these books have to do with me in particular? And what does it have to do with our congregation, our fellowship, our youth group, um, and particularly Lamentations? Uh, I, I, I can't promise I'll be preaching from there next, next, uh, uh, next month or in the following month, but um, really rich aspect into God's people and when they are suffering. And so suffering, the concept of suffering by itself probably a different path that perhaps maybe it'll be me or a different uh, speaker coming in. Um, but we, as, as Brother Gary just speaking here, um, we need to get comfortable with the idea of suffering because one, we're going through it in some form or manner. And two, um, we have a history in, in our Bible that people have suffered and uh, turned out generally okay, or they have suffered and they have not been okay. And yet they were cited as God's faithful. And so we need to have a comfortable, an uncomfortable conversation with God about what that means in our lives. And so why are we in this particular book today? Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a song called Remember Mercy by, by Vineyard that came out in 1996. And this has been 
a song on my head and heart during the last nine months. And so you see at the top right corner, a flower growing in the midst of, of uh, cracked uh, concrete. And so, uh, I, you know, those of us who are more artistic can interpret it in whatever way you'd like, but the overwhelming message per uh, Camden Busey and by, by Crossway is that there's overwhelming message uh, is, is a strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Uh, and so if it sounds familiar, uh, one of our hymns that we have sung probably numerous times in our lives, Great is Thy Faithfulness, that is one of the refrains for uh, that song. And so the people at that time, people that were identified as God's people were either unfaithful or worshiping a different God in high places, uh, hoping to court favor with those gods. God's people were also participating in sacraments and, pr and practices to yet another different God. And so I don't have a real answer as to why, uh, although we get to see the what's in the house in this case. And so uh, in either case, I, I happen to put in this situation here in this slide that these are people identified as God's people and yet uh, God wasn't enough for these folks. And so therefore they started um, uh, you know, being unfaithful and, and worshiping uh, different gods in different places and in different scenarios. Okay. I don't know if we have a, a, a similar, um, you know, a similar thing that we do as a church or as the evangelical church now, but I wonder if uh, things like having wealth uh, for us older folks in the congregation, as well as um, a lack of suffering, as I just mentioned, whether that's sort of the desire to avoid suffering and pain ends up being kind of a different idol that we worship today. So I would encourage us to think about the things we prop up as uh, things that might compete for, uh, frankly, God's attention or our, our uh, intention to focus on God. And so this, this cute animal, I don't know if you guys like platy, platypus, I don't know what the, the plural for platy, platypus is or platy, platypi, but um, one of the more fascinating creatures because it looks like it's four different creatures in one. And so when we focus on other things besides God, it ends up placing them into a God-like position in our lives. And one thing I talked about at uh, a high school last month was technology being an idol, right? And, and by default, many of us are relying heavily on uh, Zoom and on social media and on online learning. You know, if uh, my students have been on this thing called Moodle all, all year for the last year and a half or so. And so people have devolved into combining uh, different practices and different spiritual practices to suit themselves. And so therefore uh, Habakkuk understood that judgment was, was imminent from God. He, uh, Habakkuk knew that basically God was going to judge the people at that time. And so he wasn't afraid to speak out during a tense time. Uh, tense political climate. And so what that might mean for us, uh, especially those of us in this congregation, uh, it might mean not maybe not speaking out publicly against things that are going on or for things that are going on, but getting comfortable with reflecting on what that means for us in our in our Christian walk. Okay. And so uh, Camden Busey basically concludes his discussion as, you know, these three books wrestle with the reality of sin and its consequences. Okay. And so the implication here is that we have we still continue to fall short uh, of God's standards, and therefore we are sinning against Him, and so we are dealing with the consequences of that sin. And if that hasn't been particularly preached by other people, um, you'll just hear it from me over and over that we do fall short, and it's not necessarily our it is our fault. And yet the reality is, you know, thing that the thing that we teach to my patients at the hospital is that uh, we will fall short, and yet still continue to be okay with yourself and work on becoming better. And that sounds way better than judging you guys and saying, you'll never 
you know, you'll never get to that standard and you should just quit. Um, we, we, we know that that's not uh, in, in the cards for us, okay? And so four very important takeaways. And I think one of the things that I, I wanted to uh, point out, um, my wife and I have consumed a lot of takeaway Chinese food this last eight months. So we've kind of figured out all of the best restaurants around uh, Santa Clara. Um, you know, and probably Saratoga and Cupertino and Sunnyvale. And so getting kind of sick of these restaurants, but, you know, first world problems, okay. Um, when we look back at Old Testament stuff and even New Testament stuff, uh, uh, different speakers will, will speak from different parts of the Bible to you all. Um, we have the benefit of hindsight. So again, repeating a point that I was making earlier, we get the benefit of looking back at past events. And then we do this in our English classes. We read books that were super relevant maybe a hundred years ago that it's our job to continue to maintain the relevance of those English books now. And I find that that to be not, not much different for, for our Bible. And so the tribes of Israel were living it in the moment. Uh, when we read about these books in the Old Testament, they were in the moment. And so therefore they didn't have as much insight into what God wanted them to do. Or there, there are scenarios where uh, the Israelites basically knew what God wanted them to do and essentially ran the other way. And so my point is that we all probably have had things we want to change about ourselves or our situations in the past. Um, I know of people college age that are skipping a year and just trying to survive at home. That's an option. Uh, some people are trying to push through with uh, doing high school and junior high and, and college uh, while on Zoom. And, uh, you know, trust me, as a counselor, I'm seeing a lot of folks struggle with this concept of being, you know, staring into a box uh, nine hours a day, 45 hours a week. Um, you know, for, for things other than fine games or sports, okay? And so one, the first takeaway is uh, we live in an individual culture. So, you know, uh, when, I, when I look at your boxes later on, after I finish the sermon, I can see every single one of the 15 of you guys or 20 of you guys and know each person's name and we're all contained in our box. In Old Testament times, um, God spoke to nations. God spoke to judges. He spoke to prophets, but these were not specifically individuals where people like myself would come in and talk to the, you know, 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 of you guys. Um, the, the scriptures were essentially made for people, uh, a group of people. And so a nation can incur God's wrath as a result because of the actions of its leaders. And you notice I'm, I'm keeping a little bit further away from identifying whether it's the incumbent candidate or the supposedly incoming candidate. I'm saying as, as a country, um, our leaders have let us down in terms of uh, the, the, intended, the unintended result, or maybe the intended result, is distracting us from carrying out the Great Commission uh, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and possibly foregoing God's love, uh, Matthew 22, 34 to 39. Um, for those of you who have social media, I've probably lost about, at least by my count, at least you know 12 or 14 uh, Facebook friends just from not following what they want me to follow them with or not having an opinion about on social media about what I think about certain things. Um, and so as, as a result, these times have been uncertain for people. People have stopped loving each other, uh, honestly and genuinely. And yet, you know, if, if I'm saying, if I'm hinting that um, our nation's possibly in judgment by God, yet still individuals can be and have been identified as God's faithful followers. So we know that in Hebrews chapter 11, um, there's a list of people that were identified uh, from, from the Old Testament times into the New Testament times as followers of God. And so um, therefore we must cling to, continue to cling to them as individual believers 
uh, everyone on this call as well as people that are not on the call today that attend Fourth Home. Second takeaway, um, it's sort of a recall to back to past Kings. <laughs> I have a picture of LeBron James and probably not funny, but that was the only uh, picture I could put on here. But these were and are not your real Kings. Uh, and so the real King, we know King Jesus is still on the way. And maybe you haven't heard that from uh, any of the speakers or brothers or sisters or, or pastors that have come through, but King Jesus is still on the way. And that that is our primary hope. Okay. Um, and I hope that that makes sense to you guys, that that though we've had kings, we've had leaders in the past, um, the real king is still uh, is still coming. Yeah, and, and we must cling fast to that. Uh, lots of basketball analogies. I apologize for the non-sports people on the Zoom call. But uh, what this also means, takeaway number three, is that our faith needs to become both a deliberate and a committed practice. Okay, so uh, someone on, uh, on one of the business magazines I, I subscribe to, uh, they posed a question, which player would you predict would be the better shooter after 100 hours? And so I'll start with the one on the right. This is a lot of us. If we play basketball, we shoot the shot on our own. We go get our own rebound. As a result, we waste uh, 45 seconds or so. And then we take a couple dribbles and then we you know, probably miss the shot and have to chase it off of the court and come back on the court and do a layup. And, and as a result, you're tired from chasing down your own shots. right? And so converse that with player A who gets up 200 practice shots per hour. And then he has he or she has someone that is retrieving their shots, maybe mom or dad or their buddy or their, they and their buddy are, are grabbing each other's rebounds. They keep a record of shots made, shots missed and errors. And so for me, I wanna be player A. And uh, as a kid, I used to, uh, as a former basketball player, I would shoot 100, jump sh 100 free throws at a time. And the most I ever got uh, congregation was 82, 82 out of 100, which isn't bad. Um, but I never got past 82, but it also focused me on, on getting a good release and a good form and frankly discipline myself from thinking about uh, other things, you know, uh, whether it was girls or whether it was uh, parental issues or anything like that. I just focused on shooting free throws um, hours at a time. And so our faith needs to become both a deliberate and committed practice during this time because we don't have as many things, you know, we may have more distractions technologically, um, but we can't travel, you know, I, although I heard brother Jerry got to go to Seattle. In theory, we can't move around as much as we used to before. And we have uh, possibly competing standards from, you know, federal government and state government and local government. And so the available things that we get to do are a little bit less than they were in back in February. And so let's become more deliberate and committed and are, are following God and in our spiritual uh, disciplines. Okay. Takeaway number four, I think this is one of the tougher ones and, and sort of the crux of, of this message today. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, my wife and I went on a cruise last, uh, I wanna say last summer, and I watched um, this movie, which is the, uh, you know, the Avengers and uh, Infinity War, probably like eight times on the cruise because I was that bored. But in either case, uh, we need to redefine wrath and its meaning for us. When you hear the term wrath, we even have uh, movies that are named with that title or with that word in the title. And so this is what some people think they experience for they, they experience or see from God towards us as believers. And it's in this case, Thanos is literally pulling the moon's gravity with his uh, uh, infinity thing and ready to throw it down on our poor Avengers. Okay, so he's taking a planet and basically pummeling. Uh, the good, the good guys on this planet that they're sitting on. 
I would argue that that's not that that's not the real definition of wrath. And this next slide is a much more real, realistic view of what wrath looks like for us uh, as Christians from God. You see this girl, this uh, daughter, holding uh, on a dear life to her puppy dog, uh, stuffed animal, while while laying in mom's lap, right? And so, uh, how many of us remember the times growing up where we uh, didn't follow our parents' instructions or our grandparents' instructions, and the very first people we sought out while we cried were their were their hands, were their were their hugs, were their kisses, and so. Um, brief story from last year, I we had to get our, our nieces and nephews to go eat dinner. And so, you know, even though I looked nice, mean Uncle Gary was very mean. I took away uh, my, my twin niece's bike uh, pretty forcefully, I would say, for a two-year-old uh, by, by keeping the bike out of her reach. And so her response was, and, and I'm just using her tone, she said, bye, bye-bye, bye. And all of a sudden she started waving me off, like walking over to me as if her waving would push me away. And she was like, bye, 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 right? And at some point she started shoving me away from her. And, and then the last part was endless tears, right? And so this is what wrath looks like for us during this time. We are crying out to God and he is holding us. And yet we probably want to push him away too. Or, you know, uh, in, in the college folks' uh, opinions, like let's get back to school or let's get back to our jobs in person. We miss hanging out with this friend and we are just crying and crying and crying. And if you've cried enough to where you can't see through your eyes because of the, the heaviness of the tears, that's what this little girl's going through. And that's frankly what I put my niece through. But afterwards, uh, when I left for the evening, she ran up and asked for a hug, right? And I gave her a hug. So wrath isn't necessarily um, this sort of punishment, but it's the withholding of stuff because of our own behavior and, and, and the consequences of our, of our sin. And feel free to, you know, uh, and after this uh, sermon today, feel free to disagree with me or, or argue with me. I'm, I'm willing to have a conversation about that. Um, but I, I think this is a much more realistic version of what wrath looks like because afterwards we can reconnect with God. And so the, the song, um, you know, Rebecca very, very beautifully led us through worship earlier today. And so there, there was a worship song and it's, I think it's uh, YouTubeable or it's available on YouTube. Um, if you look up um, Acoustic Worship and the album is Isn't He? Um, and so one thing I want to point out is in the chorus here, uh, renew them, renew them in our day and in our time, make them known. Slightly different than what was in, in Habakkuk uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Okay. Um, and in Habakkuk 3, 1, it was repeat. And so in this uh, Vineyard song by Brian Dirksen, it's renew. Um, not sure which way, which avenue to send you guys down. Um, I would make a case that renew makes as much sense as repeat. Um, and here's a un, here's a kind of a, a weird example, but those of us that drive, when we renew our registration, what does that allow us to do? It allows us to drive our car for the next year, right? But we have to pay a pretty penny for that. And so when you have your a little letter from DMV, it'll show, you know, here's your fee, you know, Gary Kwan, you have to pay $270 for your Prius and your wife Civic. Uh, to renew and, and for next year. And there's an option at the bottom of that of that file or that letter indicating, do you want to retire your car? So there's an option given to us. We either renew our driving, uh, you know, our, our ability to, to drive next year or we retire our cars. And so in this case, um, I think what Brian Dirksen was hinting at with the song is please again, God, renew, uh, meaning please show us again how to do this because we're not getting this right. And so in our day and in our time, make make those those fame and those deeds known to us 
because we've forgotten. We have forgotten about you. And in your wrath, please remember mercy that you have been merciful to us in the past. And so this slide is just, you know, for those of us who are more musically inclined, like uh, Rebecca and those that, that do lead worship, that again, our best, uh, most convicting times tend to be when we're in worship. And so uh, my hope is that uh, you get a chance to listen to this song as well as the other songs on the album uh, later on or whenever you have the time this week. Okay. A brief note on gratitude. Okay. Um, as someone that works in mental health and mental wellness, I would encourage us to think about this holiday beyond just how much I'm gonna eat on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Um, but what gratitude means for us during this most difficult time in the last nine months. Uh, I would make an argument based off of uh, my own experience in my clinical work, as well as what this organization does, the Greater Good uh, Organization in Berkeley, um, that gratitude helps preserve our mental wellness. And, and I guess during this time, one way to think about this is that, uh, there's a lot to be not thankful for, you know, not thankful to be able to check into our school, not thankful because I have to maybe uh, help out my mom and dad to cook on Thursday because we're all at home, uh, limited options in terms of travel or dining out or just the things that we take for granted. And yet what I'm calling us to do uh, as, as part of the application is to be intentional about our gratitude. Okay? And so one of the, the phrases taken from this article is that uh, an attitude of gratitude essentially unshackles us from toxic emotions. So imagine if toxic emotions have, if we're persistently angry every day or depressed or sad, that being grateful and not being fake about it, but being grateful, like, you know, thank God I have a home. Uh, thank God I have uh, a partner or a spouse. Thank you, Lord, that I get to go back to college in the spring. That essentially does the act of unshackling us from uh, the toxic emotions that can take over our bodies and our brains. And so six ways to, uh, at least for, for Brother Gary's vantage point, to never cheapen Thanksgiving ever again. And I have to take this, this seriously as well. So I think I have all of you guys on, uh, or if you can unmute yourselves, I do want some audience participation. And so um, six ways to never cheapen Thanksgiving ever again. And so when I say appreciate my people, I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful that my dad uh, is going to call me on Thursday and my mom. And so how about for the congregation, any, any people that you appreciate, just, just throw it out there. Um, my wife. Okay, my spouse, okay. Yes. Okay, thank you, who else? My virtual friends. <laughs> virtual friends, okay. Maybe uh, the people that you get to play Animal Crossing with, or you know, the people that you get to uh, have you know, a fellowship online with, okay, who else? My therapist. Therapist, yes. A therapist who's consistently uh, loving and supportive to, to us. Okay. Who else? I'm grateful for my family. My family, yes. All right. If we if we don't have anything else and we have our family, like how great, you know, how grateful we can be for that. Okay. This pains me to say a lot because he's on this call, but my very annoying brother. My very annoying brother who might now give me a great Christmas gift, right? Just kidding, but um, no, we can only wish, right? Um, so yeah. my, my, my sibling who yesterday might have thrown my stuffed animal off the bed, but today I'm gonna give him a hug because you know I'm, I'm grateful for him, right? Or her, All right? So um, next one, um, good job guys. Appreciate my time, okay? We've lost nine months as of next, next Sunday, we've nearly lost nine months of this year 
to shelter in place. Okay. So for me, one thing I appreciate is that I do get the time to uh, focus on my, uh, you know, changing my career a little bit. So how about for you guys? What, what, what things can we appreciate about, about our time despite losing the chunk of this year? I'm taking seminary classes. Praise the Lord. Taking seminary classes, may, they may be at uh, discount too, right? Or at least, you know. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. What else, everyone? Applying to grad school. A lot of places, because of coronavirus, they are waiving the GRE requirement. Awesome. So one, one of the things that, that you students are going to learn quickly is that universities need students. We need you guys to be on the Zoom call. Otherwise, professors like myself talk to ourselves. And that, that brings up a whole lot of other mental issues. But, uh, but in all seriousness, uh, schools will need your, your smart brains and your, your caring hearts. And so uh, this is the time to apply yourselves and to, um, to, to basically learn. Uh, learn more about this universe. Learn more about God. Um, learn more about your role in the universe. Okay. What other, what other time, what other time uh, stuff are, are, are we thankful for? I'm grateful I don't have to commute anywhere. Our commute went to one minute, right? We can literally roll out of our bed, put on a top, and and we're we're at work. Just kidding. No, that's not what I recommend. But um, but for some of us, we get to roll out of our bed right into our class, and and that could bring other stuff up. But again, we're grateful for not having to drive up 880 or Highway 17 during traffic hour, right? Some some things we take for granted, uh, folks that drive. Okay. Uh, quickly, on to the next one. Um, my wife just gave me the five-minute warning. All right, appreciate my capacity, okay? Um, I have never slept as much as I have this year, congregation, and it, it's not that I don't think it's necessarily depression or sadness. It's just my body's tired. I am almost 46 years old. Sorry, Brother Jerry, but, you know, you get to past 40, and your body feels kind of different, right? And so in, in Ecclesiastes uh, 3, 4, um, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, okay? So um, you bet it takes someone like, you know, Sister Rebecca, some energy to get the practice going and to have your voice project into a room and for, you know, Asolia to lead the youth group. Like, this is just, it's a little bit harder. We might have less commute, but it's more of a uh, sort of a toll on our bodies, right? And so we need to have an appreciation of our capacity. And if that means rest in God, rest in God, Okay. If it means uh, you ate too much turkey on Thursday or too much, um, you know, too much shaolong uh, bows, that you know, take that nap, right? But then get up and and uh, do some stuff as a family together. All right. So we're almost on the last couple. Um, how about appreciate God's past provision? This is kind of the one I want you guys to 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 share with the congregation. I'm grateful that the times where uh, I've fallen away, there's been a Christian brother or sister that's just been there to remind me, like, hey. Gary, get over yourself. You know, you need to get back to God. And I've had to, like my niece, cry and pound on God's leg and and scream at him. And yet God has always welcomed me back with the hug. So how about for you guys? God's past provision for us. He helped my marriage together. Sounds how many like, years? How many years, brother Jerry? Ah, uh, I forty plus now. Wow! Wow! Okay. So four plus decades of mostly bliss, right? Mostly bliss and Amen. Amen. Just, yeah. 
Yeah. How about for the rest of the congregation? What has God given you in the past? Uh, so during this time, I start. Uh, I ended my first job out of college, but I got an op another wonderful opportunity to start somewhere else, and mm -hmm. I've been enjoying that greatly at this point in time. So I'm really thankful God has given me these opportunities. Yeah. So God has closed the door on one of my previous jobs, but allowed the transition to be maybe not smooth, but in, in certainty that you're able to find, uh, you know, maybe not pleasure all the time, but just, you know, a good paycheck and a solid position at this next spot. Okay, so so a, a God-protected transition. Okay, thank you. Who else? Maybe one or two more. Uh, in the beginning of quarantine, I was kind of, I was going through some, like, some rough patches of life, and I, I really drifted away from church, like, a lot. Um, but I'm just really grateful towards the end of quarantine, I was able to reconnect and like really be integrated into the church community, like with my daily life, like a lot more than before. So I'm like extremely, extremely grateful for that. Yeah. So you took a heavenly time out and then you came back to the, the congregation. <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm kind of the king of reframe. So that that's sort of an interesting way to put it. But um, yeah. Okay. Um, next one. Thank you, by the way. Uh, appreciating God's future promises. Now, I'm not going to ask for feedback. None of us know what's really going to happen in the next, uh, next, you know, two to 36 months. But I think we have to look back at the fact that God has provided for us in the past. And so we get this future. Most, you know, I think all of us get a future, right? And then most importantly, we appreciate God. Um, one of the things that my wife got me uh, yesterday, kind of as an encouragement for this sermon, I don't know if you guys could see, but it's a uh, it's an ornament of Forky from Toy Story Four, okay. And so I, either that means I'm not trash as a husband, or that I'm not trash as God's child. I'll take the second one, okay. So I, to appreciate that we're not uh, trash in front of God, that we are treasured, that we are appreciated, that we are loved. Um, but for this for this sermon, that God is not to be ignored, okay. And then I think that's the most important thing is that um, God is long suffering uh, with us. God is patient with us, and yet he does not want to be ignored. Okay. And so in closing, I, I want, this is maybe for those that are older than 12, okay, uh, just as, as default. Um, we need to make sure that we're doing church right. And, and I don't know what the answer is, but uh, my, my Old Testament professor kind of closed with this on Tuesday. We think the knowledge in our people's heads will make up for the absence in their hearts. Christians need to live with both mystery and paradox, okay? Mystery and paradox, that's probably its own sermon down the line for a different brother or sister. But this one thing about, I, I forget the sister that shared, like she fell away for a little bit and then reconnected. We need to be careful about having emotional poverty. We must see and experience God's heart in our heart and, and beyond just the rational in our head. I think that is one of the main things I encourage for um, the Asian congregations that I speak at is that, we need, to, we need to ask God to cure this emotional poverty, poverty in us. We need to be able to experience this Christian life for what it is. And there'll be lots of happy, like Brother Jerry has in his marriage, and there'll be some sad, there'll be some depressive, there'll be some angry, but the, this, this will be the experience that God has carved out for us. Okay. And then in closing, all of you guys on the call, I think someone was logged in as Galaxy S9, so uh, or something like that, or Zachary's iPhone, or you know. So all of us on the call, okay, Lydia, um, Brother Jerry, uh, you know, Rebecca, um, we are a crucial part of God's story, and so 
we look at this little leaf um, and uh, only because I think in Animal Crossing, they have this leaf now prominently figured, uh, prominently showed on, on that game. But when you can thank God, even in the bad things, your faith does grow. And so that's sort of my closing thought for you guys as, as my brothers and sisters and for myself and, and my wife. When you can thank God, even in the bad things, your faith does grow. And, and there is, I won't give you the scientific research, but there actually is scientific research that supports that. Okay. So let me close in prayer for, for all of you guys. And uh, especially Lord, thank you for uh, this time. Thank you for uh, just the wonderful feedback to hear from the congregation that they do appreciate uh, essentially what's been given by you. We know we can't do anything without you. We know that this is a season. We don't know when the next season will be. Uh, we, we don't know how quickly that'll come. And yet we know that you are the author of this, that you are the provider for us and our father. And so I pray that you'd watch over us, Lord, uh, as we move into this next part of worship. Your name, your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Gary. Just